0: Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land
1: of tender care. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm tender loving Jason. You are. (laughs) I do my best. You know, Paul, I was thinking, should we tell everyone what we've been talking about a little bit lately about maybe, uh, you know, a potential upcoming, uh, another trip to Japan? Sure. Why not? Well, I guess I already said it.
0: Well, I'm 100% planning to go to Japan in 2024.
1: At first, I was like, I don't know, maybe it's too soon. Maybe I need to take a year off or something. Ridiculous. I got to go back. You know, I'm feeling I'm, I'm at the point of my life where I just got to start enjoying my life and not worry so much about how much it costs to enjoy life. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think
0: the only question for me is when. Especially because we went in the spring this year,, mm-hmm. so if we go summer or fall next year, we're talking about over a year. It's not too crazy to go eighteen months after you went last time, that's not insane at all, nah, not at all, so yeah, we just gotta decide spring, summer, fall, winter, when are we gonna go, yeah, that sort of thing.
1: we've been talking, we've been throwing some ideas around, but I mean, one thing I'm excited about is that this is another opportunity for a podcast meetup in Tokyo. Yeah, that'll be fun. That last one was so cool. It was a lot of
0: fun. The uh, challenges we're dealing with, I think, is that one, we've covered so much stuff on the podcast. We each have like a thousand things we want to do. And two is that we've both been to Japan without each other. so. There's a lot of things that one of us have done that the other one hasn't. And do we really want to repeat that stuff? And what's worth repeating? What's worth new? What have we both not been to or seen?
1: I still really like the idea of Hokkaido, like inner Hokkaido. There's so much of that island that I haven't seen.
0: Yeah. That me I too. really
1: want to see.
0: I mean, you've been a couple more times than me. So there's a lot. Like, I haven't been to Hiroshima. That seems like a big oh, one. Oh, man. Yeah, you got to get there. I do, right? But do you want to go again?
1: Nah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not, not exactly. soon. So we'll, we'll see. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, if you're planning a trip soon, feel free to join our Discord. Lots of good discussion there. Travel tips and whatnot. Absolutely. And a topic came up a while ago on the Discord that I had not really thought about all that much before what happens if you get sick in Japan? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Look at that seamless segue. <laughs> oh man, didn't even see it coming, did you? No, I mean,
0: it's really a nightmare scenario, right? Like you spend all this time and money and PTO to take this awesome vacation. You got all these things planned and then you just get sick, like really sick. And you're in a foreign country, you don't know what to do, you're missing the things you wanted to do, it just sounds scary and awful. Have you been sick
1: in Japan ever?
0: Not like sick sick, I've had like bad jet lag, I've had hangovers, but I, I've never been like sick sick.
1: I've gotten colds on like maybe half of my trips to Japan. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, maybe I maybe I caught it on the plane to Japan because I always seem to get symptoms right in the last few days of the trip. Mm. So it was nice that, like, at least it didn't ruin the whole trip. Yeah, weren't you all stuffed up or something on this last trip? This last one, I think, was just allergies. Yeah, you were getting pretty bad, though. It was pretty bad. It was springtime, though, so I guess. Yeah. But, I don't know, at least a couple times before that, I've gotten, like, pretty bad colds, which was pretty miserable. But... I never got anything incapacitating. Yeah. You could still
0: travel. You could still get to your next city and see some stuff. Yeah. I
1: mean, I guess the biggest thing I worried about was COVID on the last trip, but even that it's like, if I get COVID, I mean, I've been vaccinated. It's probably not going to be worse than a cold. So I'll just like self quarantine or whatever, and it'll be fine. But there's always the possibility of something much worse happening. Right. We don't like to think about it, but it's something that it's good to be prepared for.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So, we're going to go over some basic information in this episode like, what do you do? Where do you go? How do you handle this? But we also have an interview coming up at the end of the episode. Oh, you're
1: going to, I wasn't sure if we were going to make
0: it a surprise or what. No, no, I think we can let people know. All right. So, we've got a podcast listener that actually got severely ill in Japan at his trip earlier this year. So, he will be joining us to give his firsthand experience about. The healthcare system, going to the hospital in Japan, and how he handled all
1: that—that'll be great. We can all benefit from his misfortune. (laughs) That's one way to put it. (laughs) Should we start with the basics? Maybe some fun facts. I have. uh, Yeah, if you've got a fun fact, the most basic thing—I don't know—I was going to say what the emergency number is. Oh, sure, sure. So, in the U.S., the number for emergency services is nine one one. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, I mean if you're American, it's very easy to remember because it's just nine one backwards. One one nine is the number you want to call in Japan. Each each q? You got it. Easy to remember. There's a slight difference though in what that number is for. So in Japan, one one nine is for fire, ambulance, or emergency rescue. It's not for police though. If you want police, the number is one one zero. Okay. Both of these numbers are toll-free. If you want more specifics, the website for the US Embassy in Japan actually has a very comprehensive page talking about how that phone call might go, how to give them the info that they need, even if they don't speak much English. This is like a pretty handy guide, and I will put a link in the show notes to that. Nice.
0: Yeah, that describes really well like exactly what they're going to ask you, what you need to know, what you need to tell them. Totally. Japan actually has a universal healthcare system, but that only applies to citizens and residents. So if you're a tourist, you can get treatment,
1: but you're going to have to pay for it. Yep. So before we move on, we got a new segment that we're going to be doing on the podcast. And that is, should we come up with a name for it, Paul? What should we call this? Like the item of the episode or... (laughs) something i
0: <laughs> uh, yeah i don't have a catchy name at the moment we
1: need to we'll come up with a catchy name maybe i'll put together a catchy little uh stinger for it you know what i mean but basically we're partnering with a company called Bento and Co to give you guys some great deals and they have all sorts of great japanese products that you can order they focus on bento's and bento accessories but they also have cookware and teaware and japanese food and snacks and ingredients and all sorts of stuff. It's really fun to just scroll through and check out all the products that they have. So in this segment, each episode, we're going to pick one of our favorite products and just tell you a little bit about it. So, Paul, you ordered something recently that you said you enjoyed very much. What was that?
0: Yeah, I got the Vegan Samurai Spicy Ramen. It is the best ramen I've ever had at home. was so good. It comes with two servings in a packet, which is nice for a very reasonable price. But I think what set it apart and made it so good is that instead of a powder packet, it comes with a liquid sauce packet. So it's all oily and spicy, and you can like see the oil floating on top of it. So it still cooks up in like three minutes of boiling water, and you add in the packet. And I did a little sauteed mushrooms to put them on top. Nice. And it was insanely good. I'm gonna order so many more of them.
1: That's none of that 99 cent little cellophane package ramen. This is like gourmet ramen, right? Yeah, like actual like
0: straight ramen noodles. They still cook really quick, but it's better noodles, it's better sauce. It's so good.
1: That's awesome.
0: So if you order from them, use code Sightseeing10. And you will get a 10% discount. So it's bentoandco.com, sightseeing10. And there is a link on the Supporters section of our website. If you click through that link, you will automatically get the 10% discount.
1: It's even 10% off of your entire order, not just a single product. So fill up that basket, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's bentoandco.com, B-E-N-T-O-A-N-D-C-O.com. Use code sightseeing10.
0: So, Jason, let's dive into health and medical services in Japan. I think it makes sense to start with, even before you get to Japan, uh, what vaccinations
1: are either required or recommended? That's a good question. So, Japan doesn't require any specific vaccines for you to enter the country. I've never been asked about my vaccinations or anything, right? Correct. And
0: to make it especially clear, you don't even need a COVID vaccine right now to get
1: in Japan. Right. No vaccinations at all. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's the one vaccination I've been asked about as yeah, the Yeah, you, you did for a while need that. You do not anymore. Exactly. But there are some vaccines that you might want to make sure that you have. Uh, in the show notes, there are going to be a bunch of links in the show notes. I'm going to put all sorts of useful stuff there for you. So check that out. One of them is a link to the CDC recommendations for vaccines if you're visiting Japan. Most of them are pretty standard. You probably already have them. Things like hepatitis, MMR, polio, that kind of thing. But one more unusual one that's on that list is called Japanese encephalitis. And this actually came up on the Discord too. Somebody was asking about this, so I wanted to address it. Had you heard about this, Paul? Not until
0: we start doing this research.
1: Yeah, me either. Until it came up on Discord anyway. But so for most people, the risk of getting this is extremely low. It's not common in urban areas, but the CDC does recommend the vaccine if you're planning to quote spend long periods of time, such as a month or more, in areas with Japanese encephalitis. End quote. Which is not very specific. Yeah. Or if you quote frequently travel to areas with Japanese encephalitis, end quote, which is also very non-specific. but yes. basically what they're talking about is rural areas. Yeah. I went down the rabbit hole a
0: little bit on that because I was like, what does that mean? And basically, the disease is transferred by mosquitoes. So if you're out in a rural area and there's mosquitoes around, you have a chance of getting it. Fairly low chance, but a chance.
1: Yeah. So fortunately, I mean, I've never been to Japan in summer, which seems like the season when mosquitoes would be most numerous. Yeah. But I have, I mean, we've both been to fairly rural areas, right? Yep. They also Not for a month or more. Right. But they also, here's another quote, they say, consider the vaccination if you're spending less than a month in areas with Japanese encephalitis, but will be doing activities that increase risk of infection, such as... Visiting rural areas, hiking or camping, or staying in places without air conditioning, screens, or bed nets. Sure. So, I think it basically boils down
0: to: is the more likely you are to get bit by mosquitoes, the more you should get this vaccine.
1: Pretty much. I did find this interesting chart that showed like the number of infections per year. Okay. All the numbers were extremely low. Like every, almost every year the infections were in the single digits for the whole country. Wow. So it seems like, I mean, your chances of getting it, like you said, extremely low, but it's also a pretty dangerous disease. Like it can kill you. I'm not a gambler, but I do like those odds. It's pretty good odds. The other interesting fact I found is that apparently it doesn't get spread between people. Like a mosquito can't bite a person infected with encephalitis and give it to somebody else. The mosquitoes actually get it from animals, either farm animals or like large, wild animals. Isn't that interesting? It is, yeah. So yeah, just something to know. Maybe think about the vaccine if you don't want to take any chances. And again, for all of that vaccine stuff, don't just take our word for it. Go check that CDC website or the WHO, World Health Organization. Yeah, or if
0: you're outside of the U.S., your country might have a website with guidance.
1: Yep. Another thing that you might want to think about before you go to Japan is travel insurance because healthcare providers in Japan probably won't take your foreign insurance and your insurance at home probably won't cover international health care. But they could. It's worth checking. I was talking to my parents they went to Europe recently and apparently, their American health insurance did actually cover emergencies in Europe. Mm. No other type of care, but like if something real bad happened, they would cover it. So I did see
0: that with Medicare, you can sign up for a special plan that helps you get international coverage. Okay. But it's probably a little bit extra premium. Sure. Uh, traveler's insurance can be used for more than just health. It can cover any sort of financial loss that could come about from traveling.
1: Yeah. Well, there, I mean, there's so many different kinds out there. And if you just see the words travel insurance, a lot of times that doesn't cover medical stuff at all. A lot of the travel insurance out there just covers, like it's basically trip cancellation insurance. Like if your flight is canceled for whatever reason, they'll get your money back, that kind yeah. of stuff.
0: And there's other ways where you might already have insurance. If you have homeowners or renters insurance, that might include insurance on your personal belongings, even when you're traveling. You'd have to check your policy. Or with a travel rewards credit card, there's often some sort of built in travel insurance for canceled flights or overbooked hotels and things like that.
1: Even other types of credit cards. You know, I'm pretty sure like on my very first trip to Japan, I looked into this travel insurance thing. And I think I found that my just normal credit card covered the flight. Like if the flight was canceled, it covered it if I bought the ticket with that credit card. Yeah. So I think what I did was like, I saw that and I was like, okay, I'm all covered. I'm not even going to worry about it. But I didn't really think about all of the other types of insurance that I might want to consider. Sure. Sure. So I don't know. I've kind of been maybe a little bit risky on all of my trips because... I never really looked into the medical side of it all that much. Same. But for
0: probably my first two trips to Japan, I maybe didn't even have medical insurance here, (laughs) so it wasn't something I was thinking about overseas. So should we talk about some of the different types of traveler's insurance you can get briefly here?
1: Yeah. So if you're looking for insurance that covers the medical stuff specifically, you're going to want to look for something that's called travel medical insurance. It's often separate from all the other types of travel insurance. And uh, I mean, you really got to read the fine print because you know there are comprehensive policies that kind of cover anything that could go wrong, but a lot of them only cover specific situations too. Yes,
0: yeah, so you really got to think, what do I want covered? What do I not want covered?
1: I saw that even if you do get specifically... Travel medical insurance, sometimes they might not cover certain things like drug or alcohol-related incidents. Sure. That's your fault. <laughs> they don't yeah. want to pay for that. Yep. Yep. Non-emergency procedures. I mean, if it's not an emergency, why are you even doing that in Japan, right? Yeah, if
0: you could have waited until you got home, yeah. they don't want
1: to cover it. Uh, psychological disorders or anything caused by your own recklessness. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: You mentioned cancellation insurance. mm mm-hmm. They don't necessarily cover it for any reason you cancel, but if you get sick or there's a death in your family, maybe even a sudden business conflict or weather-related issues delaying or canceling your flight. Some even cover bankruptcy. (laughs) If you go bankrupt between buying the ticket and your vacation, some of them will refund it for you. Um, So there's a whole bunch of different scenarios that they may cover or they may not cover depending on which one you get. Okay. Uh, you can get damaged or lost baggage coverage.
1: Oh, we lost our baggage once when I was a kid. Uh, I think we were f- flying back from Florida or something and they lost our bags. That did, ever happened to did, you? No. Did you ever get it back? I don't remember. I was I, a little was I've a little heard kid. lots of
0: horror stories. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it depends on what you're traveling with. Like if you're traveling with a lot of expensive, you've got like a really expensive camera or whatever in your baggage, maybe you want to get this insurance. Sure. For me, I just have a bunch of, cheap t-shirts and some jeans or something i i maybe don't need it
1: i don't even need to worry about this because i've decided that i will never check bags ever again in my <laughs> life
0: i i might at some point actually i uh am taking a vacation this winter and i pay i splurged the 35 bucks for a checked bag what are you gonna put in there uh towel swimsuit some tank tops maybe mm-hmm. next pair of shoes.
1: I guess the one exception I would make is if I was going on a snowboarding trip. Sure. So yeah, you gotta snowboard. yeah, you got to check.
0: Yeah, you got to check. Yeah. I'd go to Puerto Rico, by the way. It's when? Gonna, when is it's that? It's going be nice. February. Perfect oh, time. Nice. Perfect time to get some sunshine.
1: I'm considering a trip to Arizona in the winter months here. Nice. Yeah. Never been
0: there, but I've heard it's a very nice place.
1: I don't think I've ever... Well, maybe I've driven through.
0: I think... If you like drive through Colorado and Vegas to get between here and LA, you like drive through a corner of Arizona for like 10
1: minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that lives there, so I was going to visit and nice. get away from the Minnesota cold a little bit. Nice. Um, so Paul, do you think on the next trip, what are you going to do about medical insurance? You think it's worth getting? You're going to get it? No, I'm not. Mm.
0: I am mostly a non-insurance person. Like, I only try to get insurance if there's a chance that it absolutely destroys me financially. Yeah. And I think that's very unlikely in a short trip to Japan when I'm healthy going into it.
1: Yeah. I have a lot to say about that. But First, I just wanted to mention what the costs might be for uh, travel medical insurance. That would be an important thing to know. So, of course, it's going to depend on your insurance company, what specific coverages you get, the length of your visit all those factors. But what I saw for a general range was between 35 to $200 per trip. Okay. Not unreasonable. No. I saw another source say an average of $5 a day. So okay. not too bad. Nope. Okay, so let's dig into insurance in general because I, I have strong feelings about this. I do too. So here's my philosophy, my personal philosophy. This is not financial advice. This is just my personal take based on what I know about insurance. Okay. So insurance companies are basically betting that nothing bad will happen to you, right? Right. And that's the more likely scenario.
0: Yeah, the odds are stacked in their favor.
1: That's how they make money. They usually win that bet. Yes. And you give them money for literally nothing. Yeah. So by buying insurance, you are betting that something bad will happen to you, which is relatively unlikely. Yes. So for this reason... In my opinion, insurance is only worth it to protect yourself from life-ruining disasters. Yes. In any other case, you're probably better off just saving some money yourself and self-insuring. A lot of yeah. people, they call it that, self-insuring. Like, just save your own money. It's better than giving all that money to an insurance company. Now, maybe there's some, some factors that change the math there. Like, maybe you're really bad at saving money. Maybe you just can't. Amass some money yourself. Maybe it'll just disappear. Maybe then it's, you know, maybe it's better to put that in the hands of the insurance company. I don't know.
0: Well, in that case, if you have zero assets, maybe there's an argument to not have insurance because what are they going to collect? You got nothing. You file bankruptcy, you move on. <laughs> not financial advice. I mean, they can not garnish your advice. wages and stuff in, For, certain, in situations. certain situations. Yes, yes.
1: But yeah, so let me give some examples. So if you buy a new phone and they ask if you want to buy insurance, maybe ask these questions. Will it ruin my life if this phone breaks and I have to buy a new one? I mean, probably not for most people. Like it it wouldn't be fun yeah. shelling out another however many dollars for a new phone, but yeah. it wouldn't ruin you. Right. But if you're an American thinking about health insurance, Would it ruin my life if I got sick with something and racked up millions of dollars in medical bills? Yes. For most people, the answer is yes. So I think that medical insurance is worth getting in that case. So the reason I'm leaning no towards it in Japan
0: is because I feel like it would be like I get sick once or I break a bone and I need to go to the doctor. And maybe it costs me a few thousand and that really sucks, but it's not going to ruin me. I'm probably not going to get like 6 months of chemotherapy in Japan. Like I would come home if I was like that sick, right? Yeah. So I feel like you're I'm less likely to get like a ruin me type of medical expense on a 2 week trip to Japan. So I feel like all that money I've saved by not insuring my phone, not buying the protection plan on my video games or my TV or my everything throughout my life, I probably could have spent thousands of dollars on that over the last 15 years that I have not. And if I ever do get sick, well,
1: it it just like evens out, right? I agree, Paul. We are in agreement about this. But of course, everybody's risk tolerance is different. You know, you got to live your own life. So do what makes you feel comfortable. How old are you? How healthy are you? You know, there's a lot that goes into these decisions. Yeah. There's definitely value in peace of mind too. You know, if you're going to worry the whole trip that something bad is going to happen, if you don't have insurance, pay for that peace of mind. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Five bucks a day, it's not gonna kill you.
1: Yep. They have traveling
0: life insurance you can get. You can get like accidental death insurance for your travels, which I think is interesting because once you just get life insurance, like I'm pretty sure my life insurance would still kick in if I died in Japan versus if I died in America.
1: Right. I mean, we could have a whole other conversation about life insurance. Like that's a specific thing that I don't have any life insurance, except for, I think maybe my company gives me some. Yeah, I get a free one for a modest amount through my company. Yeah. But, you know, I don't have kids. so Yeah, nobody's like, depending on my income to survive, so yeah, I don't feel the need for that. But there's a huge list of insurances you can get that I didn't even I'm know. Sure, I'm crazy. sure. I'm you sure can, you can pay people to insure you for anything. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. None of that stuff will probably happen to you. If and you're traveling
0: are- overseas for a wedding, there's like special destination wedding insurance. Man. Like imagine if you're like the best man and then they break up a week before the wedding. Oh, <laughs> good thing. Good thing I knew they weren't a good couple and I bought the destination <laughs> wedding coverage. Wow. You could get insurance for your pet, health insurance for your pet if you're traveling with them. I thought that was fun. And you can get insurance for a missed flight connection. So if you've got a really tight turnaround that you're worried about, you can get insurance on that.
1: What are they going to do, though? Because if you miss your connection, doesn't the airline normally give you another flight for free anyway? I'm not sure. It depends. You might be flying two different carriers, and then they probably wouldn't.
0: Yeah, Uh, Those are the most interesting ones I found.
1: All right. So now you're in Japan, and you actually do get sick. Uh, what, what do you do? Well, first, let's say, let's say something minor. Let's say you just need some over-the-counter medication. Go to a drugstore. We've mentioned this before. There's a big chain called Matsumoto Kiyoshi that shouldn't be hard to find. They're all over the place. Otherwise, Google Maps can help you find a drugstore, or Kusuriya it is in Japanese. Uh, they might not have the exact stuff that you're used to in your home country, but they will have something similar And if you Google around a bit, there are a bunch of websites out there that can tell you how to find specific medications in Japan, like what they're called in Japanese and what labels to look for and all that kind of stuff. Because there are a bunch of expats living in Japan that kind of need that information. So it's out there.
0: Yeah. A lot of the best information I get on some of this obscure stuff absolutely comes from expats. Yeah. You know, people living there that have to deal with this every day. One interesting thing that I either forgot or didn't know is that you can go to the kombini for almost everything except drugs. True. They do not sell drugs at Konbinis. You got to actually find a drugstore. Yep. I remember my first time in Japan, my brother got a really sore knee from all the walking around and we were trying to find some Advil and it was a little bit difficult to find like something like that. But we eventually did find drugstore we saw the little cross light in the window mm-hmm. and we went in there and we're able to find like an anti-inflammatory little painkiller for him nice now i just like bring a bottle with me just in case i've also heard that a lot of the japanese versions of medicine are not quite as powerful as some of the over-the-counter ones mm. you know like if you get like a nighttime cold or flu thing here, it'll kind of like knock you out or whatever. It might not be quite the same with the Japanese version.
1: I wonder if that's because Americans are cavalier about putting foreign substances into their body or if it's just that Japanese people are generally smaller. (laughs) Why not both? (laughs) Yeah, it could be. So next, let's say it's a life-threatening emergency or you can't get to a doctor yourself in that case, you probably want to call an ambulance.
0: Yep. You already talked about in the intro, 119 is the number for
1: if you need an ambulance. That's right. And good news, ambulances are free in Japan. That's awesome. Because they don't have a completely fucked up medical system that prioritizes corporate profits over human life. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Hey, that sounds nice. Can't it's even been- imagine. It's
0: been a long time since I've even heard a number, but I feel like my brother had to take an ambulance once in college, and this was like 15-plus years ago. It was like $3,000. It's probably like even more now. It's
1: probably like twice that now. But we need to talk about Japan and not America. What is the percentage of bankruptcies in the U.S. that are because of medical debt? I think it's over half. Yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so uh, another situation. Let's say something bad happened, but you're not in immediate danger of dying. Maybe you have time to Google around to find healthcare, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have a a bunch of options here. There there are a bunch of different ways that you can find healthcare. If you don't speak Japanese, maybe Google English-speaking doctor, and then the city that you're in probably find some good results. You could also ask at your hotel, Yes, that's a
0: great option.
1: Yeah. There are also tourism information centers around that would be able to help you with that.
0: Yeah. The Japan Tourism Agency has an English website that has a search medical institutions place on it.
1: You're talking about the JNTO website, right? Yeah, they'll help you find ones that are maybe more English-friendly. Yeah. JNTO is the Japan National Tourism Organization. And I'm going to put that link in the show notes as well for that search medical institutions
0: yeah. page. And if you did get traveler's insurance for health, you could call them and they could let you know
1: like who's in their network and who's in your area that you could go to as well. So one important thing to know is that in Japan, there, there are a bunch of different types of healthcare providers, right? They got... University-affiliated hospitals. They got public hospitals that are run by the government. They got private hospitals, and they got small clinics. And not all of those necessarily have an emergency room type thing. Yeah. So if you're having an emergency, make sure you're going to a place that has an emergency center.
0: Man, I I'm so dumb. I learned that the hard way here a couple of years ago. Yeah. My roommate. Sliced in between his fingers really bad, washing oh, dishes. I remember that. Yeah. And my my dummy had brought him to an urgency room. Cause I was like, This is urgent. And then they like looked at him for like one second and were like, Oh no, you need to go to an emergency
1: room. Oh man.
0: And I was like, Well, what the heck is an urgency room then?
1: it's just like a normal doctor's visit. That's more urgent than urgent.
0: Yeah. So then I had to drive across town to like find an in-network emergency room. And he was there for like five hours and finally got some stitches. It all worked out in the end,
1: but I'm, I'm trying really hard to resist. Going into just how messed up America's medical system is. like, yeah. if You you're can't in just trouble, drive to the nearest hospital and yeah. get help. You got to Google and figure out, is this going to cost me thousands and thousands of dollars out of pocket? Yeah. Or is the insurance company going to throw 10 bucks my way for being in network?
0: Yeah. Oh, man. I just went to the doctor for the first time in a long time for like a pretty routine thing. And I just got my bill the other day and the insurance covered 14 cents. I'm like, why even cover anything? Like, would they cover one cotton swab? Like, where do they get that number
1: from? It's obscene, man. (laughs) It just, it makes, okay. I need to just, I
0: need to take a breath. Didn't even take a full dollar off my total.
1: 14 cents, dude. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can ruin your life by just going to the wrong hospital. Yeah, like, yeah. it's insane. It's so you can insane. ruin your life just by
0: getting sick. You could have insurance, go to the right hospital, and still, like, end up costing too much. And at some point, they stop paying, and you, and you go bankrupt. Yeah. And
1: yeah, we, we need to move on. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Anyway, <laughs> so once you find a doctor, you can call them to make an appointment, or you might be able to make an appointment online, or you could just go there without an appointment but in that case, you'll probably have to wait a little bit.
0: My uncle told me a good story. He went to the emergency room like a year ago or something. And he was just like sitting there for like a long time and like didn't seem to be moving. Like nobody was getting called. And he started feeling worse and worse. So he just lay down on the floor and then immediately. They were like on him. They were bringing him back. They were giving him care. It was like, okay, that's what it took. That's a useful trick. You just got to like not actually be able
1: to like even stand anymore. And and then they will treat you. Americans take note. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So once you have made an appointment or just walked in, you you got to the doctor's place. When you get there, they're going to give you some forms to fill out. And they'll ask for an insurance card if you have it. Info that they'll ask for includes name, blood type, any illnesses currently being treated, any medicines you take, allergies, medical history, religion, which is kind of interesting. Do they do that in the u s
0: Maybe it might have something to do with like uh certain religions have different ideas about what's acceptable, right? You know a vaccine might have cow byproduct
1: in it, and for some people, then that's not
0: okay, sure.
1: Uh, and then emergency contact info. Of course, yeah. that's good to have. Uh, once you're called in to see the doctor, they'll ask you about what brought you in. Hopefully you found a doctor that speaks English, but if not, don't worry. There are guides online that can help you explain in Japanese what's wrong. I saw a ton of resources out there where it just like tells you in English, like, oh, you have this, here's how to say it in Japanese. Or you could even just like pull that up and then point at it and show the doctor, you know? (laughs) My tummy hurts. But they might also have some sort of translation technology or a translator person around. Or you could try using your phone. Yep, yep. Google Translate is... I mean, you should have that on your phone anyway if you're in Japan. Yeah. Again, in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to the JNTO guidebook. There's a page in there with a list of symptoms where you can point to the ones that apply. And if you have time... If you're not about to die, you might want to put something together on paper in advance to try to explain what's happening in Japanese. You can use Google Translate for that, or you can Google the medical conditions in Japanese, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, the more prep you can do, the better off you are, I'd say. Yeah. After they check you out, they're going to give you a diagnosis, further instructions, And then they'll send you back to the waiting room to get your prescription and or schedule a follow-up appointment. All pretty standard, you know, probably what it's mostly like in your home country. You just got to work with that language barrier a little bit. And then you'll also have to pay at the end here. And I was actually surprised to see that the JNTO, the Japan National Tourist Organization, they said that only major hospitals accept credit cards. Yeah, yeah. Clinics generally only accept cash. Yes. I mean, I know, you know, we've talked before. Japan is very much a cash-based society and stuff, but that still surprises me that such a big official place wouldn't take credit cards.
0: Right, and potentially large expenses, too. Right. Like, who's just carrying around hundreds and hundreds of dollars of cash on them?
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the cost, because... Yeah. It's, It's hard
0: to pin down, because it's... What type of place did you go to? Is it public?
1: Is it private? What type of work did you get done? Yeah, but if you're coming from the U.S., it's going to seem extremely inexpensive because they don't have a completely f***ed up medical system that prioritizes corporate profits over human life. Okay,
0: Jason. Can you believe it? Okay, calm down. I mean, it's still kind of pricey. Like, I heard it could be, you know maybe a couple hundred to get a consultation, like U.S. dollars. Different procedures might cost you between like one and 300, depending on what they're doing. But unless you're doing like a ton of stuff, you're probably getting out of there like well under $1,000.
1: I have a, a little list of general estimated costs for certain procedures. Okay. And these are all without insurance, by the way. So even without the travel medical insurance, this is what you would expect to pay. Sure. Just a standard medical examination estimated to cost around 3,000 yen. That's less than 30 U.S. dollars. Blood test, 6,000 yen. Less than 60 dollars. An x-ray, 2,000 yen. Less than 20 bucks for an x-ray? That's unheard of. Mm. Uh, An abdominal CT scan, 15,000 yen. $150. Not insane. A cut finger might cost around 5,500 yen, less than 50 bucks. Fractured foot, around 20,000 yen, which is less than $200. But if it's something more serious, like let's say you got in a traffic accident and you needed surgery, it could be hundreds of thousands of yen, which is thousands of dollars. Sure. I saw one place say that heart attack with surgery and a 45-day hospital stay, which seems pretty extreme. Yeah. And transportation back home could cost 10 million yen, which is about 100,000 US dollars. So that's like, I mean, that's serious. But 45 days in a hospital? Right. I mean, that'd be like probably 10 million plus in America. (laughs) Yeah, probably. So again, like consider how much risk you find acceptable. This is a very personal decision, you know. Yeah. Though it's unlikely, there's always the potential for something really bad to happen. So make sure you're prepared to whatever extent you're comfortable with. Uh, and then as for medications, pharmacies or yakkyoku are usually attached to the hospital. But if not, you might need to find one nearby. Uh, if you ask at the desk, they'll be able to point you to the nearest one. Drug stores also have pharmacies in them. Usually. Usually. And I saw this was, I don't think this is the case in the U.S. Uh, if you get a prescription, you have to fill that within four days after it's issued, or you have to go to the doctor again to have it reissued. Yeah. Do you know, Do, do I mean, those must expire at some point here. I don't know what the time I, limit is. I, I don't know when. I could. I had to wait to get mine filled last night. Like,
0: I had a one-time prescription, and... I went to go pick it up. They were like, oh, yeah, go pick it up at this place. I went there, and they were like, oh, no, we need at least 24 hours to fill everything. I was like, what? I guess that's a thing now. But it also coincided. There's like strikes going on with pharmacists right now around here and stuff. So it's just a mess.
1: Last time I got a prescription... They sent it to my normal pharmacy, and then I found out that they were closed over the weekend, and it was like a Friday <laughs> afternoon, so yeah, I yeah. couldn't get it till Monday. Yeah. So then I called the doctor to be like, hey, can you transfer this to this other pharmacy? And he was like, oh, yeah, uh, okay, uh, so we'll transfer it, and then you'll, you'll get a, a text or a call or something, bye. And then I didn't hear anything about it until Monday. Anyway, <laughs> like, thanks. That Great. was real helpful. Great. Yeah, you guys got to wait days for your life-saving medicine. Yeah. So this is the part of the episode where we welcome a very special guest. He is an accountant in the Houston, Texas area. He recently took his first trip to Japan, and he has quite a story to share with us that is very relevant to the topic of this episode. Ryan Sandlin, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for being here.
2: Yeah, happy to be here, guys. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to me.
1: Absolutely. So I have so many questions. Uh, You told us a little bit about your experience, but... I want to dig into all the details. But first of all, so on all of my trips to Japan personally, I never really thought all that much about like the possibility of something like this happening. I just always kind of hoped that everything would go perfectly as planned. Uh, and I think that might be the case for a lot of people. So I'm wondering, in the planning stages for your trip, did this possibility cross your mind at all? Did you consider travel medical insurance or do any specific research about what might happen if you were to get sick?
2: No, um, and unfortunately, because of this experience, uh, that's definitely going to be a part of my planning going forward. I don't get sick a lot, and uh, any time that I have gotten sick on vacation, you know, it's just been in the form of a hangover. <laughs> so, uh, no, we, we didn't uh, never really considered uh, travel medical insurance. We do have trip interruption insurance through a couple of credit cards that would have helped us. You know, if we had missed our flight or something, but no, I, I definitely never, never even considered this as a possibility.
1: Mm. So they didn't consider this an interruption that they uh, wanted to pay for, huh?
2: Well, and we just ended up not needing to use it. Uh, you know, we can talk later on about the costs and everything, but you know, ultimately, yeah. you know, the the trip had a happy ending, and we were able to make our flight.
1: Good. So let's get to what your actual experience was like. When did you first notice that something was? Not quite right.
2: So we were in Kyoto for the second part of our trip. We had spent the day in the Arashiyama area, but we, we had taken the, the random tram over from the Arashiyama area to um, you know, kind of the more central area of Kyoto, and we waiting to catch a bus home. And really, it came out of nowhere. I was standing outside a convenience store and literally just opened my mouth and started throwing up. I think my wife was more embarrassed about it than concerned about me. And I was pretty embarrassed too, because Japan is such a beautiful place. And I uh, just created what you guys have informed me was a street pizza. Um, (laughs) But initially I thought that I was just exhausted from all the walking that we had been doing uphill and around the city. I was feeling better. Uh, We went back to the hotel and I got, you know, some good night's sleep and, um, you know, we we picked up our, our trip the next day, but obviously it did not end there.
1: Yeah. And at what point did you start to feel like maybe this is something where I need to actually seek medical assistance?
2: So I got sick again uh, Saturday night, kind of the same thing. We had been out in Nara all day and had taken the train back, and we were waiting on an Uber outside Kyoto Station, and I got sick again. And then the next day was feeling fine. We uh, had a day trip to Hiroshima planned, and we had done the Peace Park, the Memorial Museum. And while we're going through the exhibit, exhibit in the Memorial Museum, I literally had to sprint out of there and find a bathroom. Felt better. We took an Uber to Hiroshima Station, and on the train ride back, it just became really bad really quick. So, yeah, I went got sick in the train bathroom, and then 30 minutes later, got sick again. And then when it happened again, I didn't didn't have time to go to the bathroom. Like My wife was literally holding a bag, and I was getting sick into it. By the time we got to Osaka, we realized that we weren't going to make our um, overnight train to Tokyo and then backtrack to Hakone. So we checked into a hotel that's annexed to the station, and I got some rest. My wife went down and talked at the front desk and basically told him what was going on. And he told her where there was a pharmacy she could walk to about half a mile away. He wrote down a note for uh, the pharmacist in Japanese, basically describing my symptoms. And he wrote down the hotel's phone number, which I thought was really cool. If he had any questions, Yeah, uh, the pharmacist, he or she could give the hotel a call and and they could communicate better. So my wife came back with some meds, which stalled the vomiting for the night and I was able to get some sleep. The next morning, it was the same thing to where I was probably getting sick multiple times an hour. And it was pretty evident at that point that I was in trouble. We considered making, you know, having a house call where uh, a doctor would come to the hotel. But ultimately, we decided that we would go to the hospital instead,
0: wow, that was uh really nice by that hotel staff to to go all their way like that to yeah. try to help
1: you out. yeah, yeah, that's great. It sounds really scary though this whole thing so I imagine i mean there there must be a lot of things going through your head while this is happening. You mentioned the the house call idea was that something you had heard about or that the hotel had mentioned or? Like, where did you get the idea that that was an option?
2: So at this point, I was just pulling stuff out because I was, we were supposed to spend the night in Hakone, and I I really wanted to make that end of our trip. So I was hoping that instead of going to the ER and, you know, waiting all day, potentially before seeing someone and missing, you know, our Hakone overnight, that someone might be able to come to the hotel and have a quick fix. Ultimately, uh, we called a couple of places and they told us that, you know, they would be able to get someone out there this afternoon. And so once it became pretty apparent that either way, we weren't going to make Hakone, it became a lot easier to just make the decision to go to the hospital.
0: Yeah, I imagine them coming out to you and being like, yeah, you're sick. You need to go to a hospital. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly. So at this point, how do you find... Hospital, like what was the first step you took in locating a place for healthcare?
2: So at this point, I mean, I was still getting sick every 10 minutes. So my wife went down to the front desk and said, hey, remember me from last night? We need to go to a hospital. And they wrote down the name of a hospital. Uh, it was a Yodogawa Christian Hospital. And I don't know the reasoning for this, but they said, if you want to be seen, you need to be there by 11 a.m. So at this point, it was 10 a.m. So it was uh, kind of a, a mad dash of packing, throwing up, packing, throwing up, and then going downstairs and um, catching an Uber to the hospital.
1: Wow. You said packing. Were you checking out then at the same time?
2: Yeah, because we, we, we only had the hotel for the one night because we were okay. you know, planning on making alternate arrangements to get to Hakone. We just didn't know that we would need to leave that soon. Yeah.
0: I'm glad you found a hotel like on such short notice. Sometimes those train station hotels are booked.
2: Yeah, and uh you know, it was it was funny because um we didn't look online or anything. I just saw a sign that said there's a hotel and we just walked over there, took an elevator up to the front desk and asked if they had a room and they were able to work it out. But This was an experience because it was probably the tiniest room I've ever been in where you walk in and you're immediately touching the bed and there's like a little closet that is all glass and it has a tiny sink, a toilet, and a tiny shower. So your business is just out there for the world to see.
0: Oh man, (laughs) that's like sounds like the worst night for that to be the case for you too. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So what was it like at the hospital? How did that go?
2: Yeah, so we got there and um, I walked up to who I assumed was the intake person. And, you know, I, I said, I'm very sick. I need to see a doctor. And she uh, had this translator. Uh, she, well, I, didn't, I didn't know it was a translator. She had this thing around her neck that almost looked like a, a stopwatch that a coach would have in a race or something. And she pushed a button and held it to her mouth and spoke in it and then showed it to me. And whatever she was saying, it was in English. And then she kinda motioned for me to speak into it. And then she looked at it and it would display what I said in Japanese. Uh and that was the primary method of communication that we had for the remainder of our time there. So we got on the list, they brought me the forms, and um some of them are in English, some of them I want to say that I had to use the Translate app on my phone where I would basically take a picture of it and it would attempt to tell me what it was. So for the most part, I was able to figure it out. We probably waited for about an hour or so to see the doctor. So they have like basically these little stalls and they're all connected to, you know, this back room on one end and then then on the other end, it's connected to the waiting room, but it's like these individual rooms in between. And so they call you in. I think they actually display your name on a board outside, and so you go in, and the doctor was there. He was very, very polite. He spoke into his translator and said, "You know, I'm Doctor So and So. Very nice to meet you. Tell me what's going on." There is a little bit of a language barrier using the translator because I guess the word that we use for vomit translates on their their machine to diarrhea. So I, I basically had to say, you know. Your listeners can't see this, but I'm motioning, you know, stuff coming out of my mouth and saying, yes, diarrhea of the mouth.
0: <laughs> That's got a little different meaning in English. Yeah, yes, get that yes, yes.
2: <laughs> And so they, uh, you know, did all my vitals. Um, everything was mostly fine. My blood pressure was really low, but not to the point where I was hypotensive. So I did blood work and uh, we waited for the results and um, they called us back in. Whenever they called us back in, there was another doctor waiting with the, the original doctor. And she explained to me that she was the English-speaking doctor and she was going to give me my results. She said that the blood work indicated that I was in severe renal failure. Those were the exact words that they used. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of, of a pause where... I guess I was wondering if she was waiting for me to say, you know, indicate that I had a kidney condition and maybe this was expected or I had a history of it, but I was just completely in shock. And she said, is is this something you've heard before? I thought she meant, is this something you've heard of? And I said, yes. But then my wife realized what she meant and said, no, in fact, just had this blood, you know, taken a month ago and, and everything's fine. And so then they speculated that it was probably, uh, dehydration induced, uh, kidney failure because I hadn't been able to keep water down since Friday or Saturday. Even the Japanese version of, um, Gatorade or Powerade, the Rakari sweat drinks with electrolytes. Yeah. Couldn't keep that down. I mean, I, I got to the point where I was throwing up straight bile. Like it was freely coming out of my stomach. It was disgusting. Um, So they, uh, they admitted me and spent the night there and was given 10 IV bags, which was five liters. 10, 10 IV bags. Oh man.
1: I have no frame of reference, but that sounds like a whole lot.
2: Yeah. So one of my best friends, actually a couple of years ago had heat exhaustion while he was moving into his new house and they only gave him two and a half bags of IV fluid. So, um, they they were pretty much changing them out. Um, pretty close to once an hour.
0: That's crazy. I suppose if you can't drink for a few days, that, that'll, that, do it. that'll do it real quick. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Couldn't drink and, you know, couldn't, I mean, there was, there was nothing going into my body and, and only stuff coming
1: out. Yeah. So I wanted to ask a little more about the language barrier stuff. You said you used uh, an app on your phone to translate some of the forms. Was that Google Translate were you using?
2: I believe it was. Um, So I know that there's Google Translate and I know that there's another Translate app. I'm not sure, what it might just be called Translate, but I had both of them for the trip. But it's one of the ones that you can take a picture or scan something with your camera and it'll show you uh, what the sign or what the paper says.
1: That's cool. Definitely. So besides that, it sounds like Until you met that woman, uh, English-speaking doctor, did everybody else have those little translators like already around their necks? Yes, were they just fully prepared for that?
2: uh, Yeah, absolutely. And even whenever I was discharged, the lady who did the final paperwork and basically held up the mobile uh, credit card machine, which that was interesting, by the way. You know, you go to this because the first time I saw the mobile credit card machines was in Europe, and you know now they're starting to make their entrance in the U S but when you check out of the hospital at this particular hospital in Osaka, they present you with a mobile credit card reader and you, you tap her and see her card. But even that lady was wearing a pocket translator.
1: Wow. Wow. Those seem really cool. That was awesome that they had those. Yeah. Yeah. And then this English speaking doctor, you said that there was a little bit of a misunderstanding. Did you get the impression that she was like fully hundred percent fluent, like sounded like a native speaker of English? No, no. Still... I mean, she.
2: It. It wasn't. Uh, so, when you say fluent, do you mean like perfect, no accent, or do you just mean conversational? Like, she was able to carry a conversation, but it, it was. It was obvious that it was her second language.
1: Okay. Yeah, I just meant like you know, even if somebody kind of knows all the words of a language, there's a certain like colloquialisms and stuff, certain ways of using words that kind of take longer to really get a firm grasp on. Sometimes. Right.
2: No, I, I it was it was effective enough that she was able to communicate what was going on with me and uh, what the plan of action and the the treatment and the the outcome that we hoped for would be.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean, especially in a medical setting, that's kind of you know a place where that type of communication is most important, right? Yeah, want to make sure you're getting all those little details.
2: Absolutely, and I've I really got to say that um, the hospital just the the layout of it the design i mean it was very clean it was very i mean it reminded me of an american hospital the only thing that was different was the room did not have a tv which was unfortunate when you're by yourself <laughs> for for 24 hours
1: yeah what did you so i i wanted to ask about like what that experience was like just staying in the room like I'm imagining kind of the kind of hospital room that you see on American TV, where you got the bed that's like motorized and you can control how, you know, what position you're sitting in and all that and the little IV bag hanging next to you. Is that kind of what it was like?
2: That's exactly what it is. Uh, It had a bathroom, a closet. They had a station, you know, with computers. So the, the nurses and the doctors could come access records. There was a bed. So I, you know, but I just laid there and looked out at the city of Osaka and, wished that I was out there and not in the hospital. My wife had a much better experience. Uh, even though the country opened up uh, after COVID, you know, the hospitals are still taking it very seriously. So they wouldn't let her pass to certain points. So she wasn't able to uh-huh. uh, to be with me. So she checked into another hotel and went to their uh, onsen or their uh, their bath. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. So she's just relaxing. <laughs> yeah,
2: so she was sending pictures, you know, in the elevator in a towel, and I'm in a hospital bed with a three-inch needle in my arm. Wow.
0: Well, you didn't make it to Hikone, but at least you got in onsen.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So now I passed time uh, figuring out, you know, which of my friends in the States might be awake, texting them, watching YouTube videos. At some point, um, the Wi-Fi egg that we had picked up at Narita, actually, we had, it was delivered to our hotel, wasn't performing as well so i ended up purchasing basically a day pass from t-mobile for the super fast internet so watched a lot of youtube videos played a lot of video games and um, eventually was able to get some sleep
1: so all this was just on your phone
2: uh, yeah that, that was the only option i had
1: and i'm surprised they didn't have free wi-fi in the hospital you think I mean, you know they might have, people have. are staying there
2: they might have i just didn't think to ask
1: yeah Did you have your uh, phone charger with you at least so you could keep that running?
2: Yes. Yes. I had all my luggage.
1: That's good.
0: Yeah. So they kept you overnight and uh, for 24 hours, you said?
2: Yes. So I was admitted a little afternoon and they told me the next morning uh, after they did another blood run that my kidneys had improved to 50%. And the official discharge papers that I brought home to my doctor I didn't realize this until after I got home, but it said that they recommended I stay for another few days, but that I was insistent on leaving and getting back to Nareda so we could take our, uh, our flight home. In actuality, what was said to me was that your kidneys are at 50%, so there's clear signs of improvement. You should be okay to make your flight home, just continue to hydrate yourself. So it was interesting that there was that extra step that had been written. I don't know if that was a legal thing or a CYA. But no, they uh, they told me around 8 or 9 a.m. that uh, I would be able to be discharged. So my wife came over from the hotel because we were thinking that it was going to happen any minute. And finally, around noon, I said, hello, is someone going to, to discharge me? And that's when they finally discharged me.
0: Mm. Okay. That was your, your, your asking once was you insisting that you needed to be, <laughs> be discharged.
2: So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's probably what it was. <laughs>
0: so you had to leave basically straight from the hospital to go catch your flight?
2: Yeah, and our um, it was unfortunate because our JR pass had expired uh, the day before because oh, we had a no. Sunday. So the the one good thing is that we were able to go to the JR desk before checking into the hotel the night before and get a refund for the private sleeper cabin that we had booked on the Cedo Sunrise. So that's included in your JR pass, but only the open area where you basically lay on a carpet with a pillow and, you know, not much of a divider. So we wanted the whole experience. So we had uh, paid extra for um, private cabin. So we were able to get that refunded, which helped offset the unexpected cost of needing to actually pay for the Shinkansen to uh, Tokyo and then the Narita Express on to Narita. But we uh, made it to to Narita. And, um, you know, I, I did something I said I would never do in another country. My cat says, hello. <laughs> um, the first thing I did whenever we got to, um, the Osaka train station to start our way towards Tokyo was, uh, I went to the McDonald's. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even order anything specific to Japan. It was not the local Japanese Osaka cuisine. It was a, it was a double cheeseburger and a large Sprite.
1: Well, I can imagine after that experience, it might be nice to just get a taste of home,
2: right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. When you haven't been able to eat because you were sick for a while,
0: you you want something tried and true.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) So if I can back you up a little bit, would you mind walking us through the discharge process? Like from the bed to walking out the door, what did you have to go through at that point?
2: Yeah. So it was, it was pretty simple. Um, So once they finally decided to to discharge me or once they decided to actually act on what they said they would do. And again, I'm not I'm not complaining about them by any means that everyone I I dealt with was incredibly amazing and and polite. Even the nurses, whenever they would come and change my IV bags, they would bow to me as they're leaving the room, which I thought was just really cool. So they brought basically a packet of documents which had all my medical records and a statement from the doctor. Just in case I needed it, they had uh, proactively given me a um, letter stating that that I was okay to fly. They gave me a, a small bag of nausea medicine just in case. I ended up never taking it, so I've still got it uh, in my medicine cabinet. And they took the needle out of my arm. They Anything that was attached to me was gone. And then there was a lady in the lobby, and she had this portable credit card reader. And, uh, you know, she had a, a folder, or I guess it was an iPad, and she looked up my name and uh, told me the balance and presented my credit card. And she uh, spoke into her translator and showed it to me and it said, I wish you well Take care of yourself. And then she bowed to me.
1: Hmm. Nice. Well, you brought up the credit card machine. Oh, wait, Well, Sorry, before we get to that, I just wanted to ask, that nausea medication they gave you, was that, like, you didn't have to go to a pharmacy or anything? They just let you take that home?
2: Yep. They uh like I, I don't even think it had a label on it. It was like basically in a in a little brown bag with instructions that said uh take as needed for nausea every six, eight hours. I'm not sure what it said.
0: Huh. <laughs> That's so funny. Like coming from my perspective as an American, if you've got like some unlabeled pills in a little brown bag, <laughs> right, it's yeah, like really right. suspicious.
2: <laughs> well, and it's it's really funny too because they they make such a big you know, everybody when you're planning your trip to japan and you have prescription medicine like there's a whole page on the u.s embassy's website stating the issue with bringing certain medications even otc into japan and that here at the hospital they just handed me a little sack of pills <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: hilarious yeah sorry to interrupt you paul go ahead yeah yeah you so
0: you you mentioned the uh the lady with the credit card reader I know at least around here, medical expenses are a hot-button issue, so I'm very curious to a night in the hospital, 10 IVs, seeing the doctors, what kind of charges did you see from that?
2: Well, uh, we were pleasantly surprised. Um, It was a little over $2,400, and that was completely out of pocket. That wasn't uh, attempting to use my American insurance. That's just if I was somebody off the street that walked in and was paying no insurance, that's what it cost. It actually would have been cheaper if I had opted to share a room with someone else, but uh, we decided not to. I was able to uh, submit all the documentation to my insurance company once I was back home and they were able to at least apply the full amount to my deductible. But yeah, it was incredible that, uh, I guarantee you, um, in the U.S., it would have been at least twice that, probably more. And yeah. despite having medical insurance, I would have had to pay the entire amount up to a, a fixed amount. And once I had spent that amount, then my insurance would start covering some of the rest.
0: Yeah, I mean, 2400 is is uh, a chunk of change. But for a night in a hospital and the 10 IVs and all the care you got... That actually seems fairly reasonable
2: yeah well and, and especially when we're, when we're talking about care that I absolutely consider uh saved my life, it was priceless it was fine, yeah,
1: yeah, so I think you mentioned they gave you some documentation to give to your doctor. Did you go see uh your American doctor when you got back?
2: I did, so uh went to the hospital Monday morning, uh we were discharged uh Tuesday around noon and Actually, it might have been later than that. Anyway, so we flew out of uh, Tokyo around 8 p.m. Tuesday night. We landed back in the States also Tuesday night.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you went back in time, right? (laughs) Yeah, it
2: was was insane. Um, And then uh, we're able to stand by on a flight and get home early. So our first day back, our first full day back, which would have been Thursday, I was able to call and make an appointment with my primary. who saw me on Friday. They drew blood, and on that Sunday, uh, he emailed me the results and um, basically wrote like in, in all caps and exclamation marks, uh, your kidney function has completely returned to normal.
1: Good news. Yeah, good to hear.
0: So you were sick for three or four days?
2: Yeah, so it started Friday in the evening. Uh, it, I was fine most of the day Saturday. It, it came back Saturday evening. I was fine um, Sunday morning, and Sunday afternoon is when it really hit the fan. So yeah, Friday, wow. Saturday, Sunday, Monday.
0: How long was your entire trip?
2: Uh, we, we, it was Tuesday to Tuesday. It wasn't near enough.
0: Okay, so you, you were sick for like half your trip then.
2: Yeah, basically.
0: So having a little time to process everything now, even with the getting sick and everything, was the trip worth it?
2: Oh, absolutely. It it took a while. You know, when we first got back to the United States, I was just so thankful to be healthy and, you know, after spending the last 2 days in Japan the way that I did, um it it was hard to move past that mentally, but after a few weeks I was really able to go back and just think about all the amazing things that we saw and the amazing people we met and the amazing food that we tried and You know, I'm definitely sad that we lost, uh, you know, our time in Osaka. We lost Hakone and and Mount Fuji, but absolutely love Japan. Um, I would just prefer to not go back in the summer. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I still haven't been in summer. And uh, Paul and I were talking about maybe doing a summer trip, but we want to end up in Hokkaido. So it's a little cooler, at least. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you see yourself going back to Japan sometime in the future?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I I get emails almost every day with, uh, with, you know, it it seems like there's always flights available now out of Los Angeles for, um, you know, $500. You know, whether it's on a low-cost carrier or whether it was like when we went and a legacy U.S. carrier was having a sale um, in honor of the cherry blossoms. We didn't go there in cherry blossom season, but... That was when we booked it, and I thought $800 was a steal. Now I realize that I can go for, depending on when we go, I can go for considerably less. But, yeah, we'll absolutely go back to Japan and do all the things that we missed. And um, one thing I like doing now when I travel and I've been to a city before is if I've already done all the tourist stuff and I've seen all the sites, you know, I like to just be in the city and just be present and experience it and, and just go with the flow, just, you know, just live.
1: Absolutely. Some of my best experiences in Japan have been when I'm just wandering around and you just stumble across this place you didn't even know existed and then you meet some cool people and you never know what's going to happen.
2: Yeah.
0: So we mentioned I think this is your first trip to Japan, but you've done a lot of traveling, right?
2: Yeah, we we uh, my wife and I uh, we try to take um at least one big international trip every summer. She's a teacher, so uh you know, if we're going to go on a big vacation it's either going to be between Christmas and New Year's. Spring break or during the summer. We have taken two trips in a year before. You know, we've done a winter trip and a summer trip, and then we've done a spring break trip and a summer trip. But we try to do something big one at least once a year.
0: Was this your first trip where you've ever had to deal with anything like
2: this? It was. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, you mentioned that you were kind of rethinking the whole travel medical insurance thing. Would you say that for all of your future international trips, you're going to get that from now on?
2: So I don't know if I would consider um, travel and medical insurance, but I, I definitely would consider trip interruption insurance. That you know might specifically cover, you know, like the airlines. Whenever you book a ticket, they'll they'll offer you trip interruption insurance, and it, it it actually will cover uh, instances of um, you know getting sick or whatever. It's possible that my credit card insurance uh, has that. I'll have to take a closer look. And I guess if I found a policy that was cheap enough, depending on what it covered, I I would consider uh specific medical insurance as well. But I think the big thing going forward, the lesson that I've really taken away from this is uh you know, just add in, in your planning process, you're you're so focused about what you're going to do and what you're gonna see and what to wear and what to pack. You need to add some what ifs into there, you know, what if this happens. Um have a list beforehand of the cities you're gonna go and know where you're gonna go if you get sick. Take medicine from home with you. You know, it would have been so easy to have anti nausea medicine in my bag and if I would have had that, you know, it's possible that it never would have gotten to this point.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think those are great tips.
0: Yeah, it's always the flights that scare me. Because it's not just missing the flight that you already paid for, but if you get delayed a day or two, having to buy a new flight on short notice can be incredibly expensive. Sometimes,
2: yeah, and especially and that's what with, I worry about. Especially with these basic economy tickets, which a lot of the time, when you find a really good travel deal, it's going to be in basic economy or whatever airline's version of that, and those tend to be pretty restrictive. That if something happens, you're on your own.
0: I had a friend who was traveling back from Iran a few years ago. And they missed their connecting flight in Turkey. And he said it cost him and his sister $5,000 oh to God, get a nice. new short notice plane ride to get back home. Man. That that I heard that story. I almost cried for him.
2: And he was never able to, to recover that in, in any way?
0: No, no. And he was like, it was all my sister's fault.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's, that's another thing is a lot of the times when you book tickets um, through uh, partner websites, like, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention websites, but Expedia or uh, Priceline, if they put you on a multi-airline itinerary, you're on your own for each of those airlines. Like, they, yeah. each airline is only obligated to get you to where their ticket ends and the other one begins.
1: Yeah. That stuff definitely scares me. The other thing I'm always I'm always paranoid about getting sick either like right before I leave for the trip or on the plane on the way to my destination. I'm always looking at all my coworkers really suspiciously if anybody coughs or anything. <laughs> I've been thinking about like you're that guy. Do I wear a mask for this, you know, 13-hour flight? Is it worth the discomfort? Cuz who who knows how many sick people are on that plane? I don't know. I'm always paranoid about that. Well, and, and it's
2: funny that you mentioned masks, you know, because that's something that that really started, um, obviously, it's always been more prevalent in Asian countries, but with COVID, you know, it became a worldwide thing and, you know, rightfully so. But if anything, I would have, you know, been concerned, you know, about catching COVID and never would have imagined, you know, that, that it would end up like this. We traveled to Ireland and Amsterdam a couple of years ago that was, you know, kind of right when the country had reopened, and my first night in Ireland, um, we're at the Temple Bar, uh, which is pretty iconic. And you know, we're it, it's a packed house, and we're shoulder to shoulder. And there is a couple playing guitar, and we're just singing uh, "Country Roads" by John Denver. And uh, dice. you know, the next morning, I'm like, I am such an idiot. They're gonna take a, we're gonna have to get COVID test in order to get into Amsterdam. And we've probably just exposed ourselves to a hundred different people that that have it. So that was the longest 15 minutes of my life waiting for the results of that COVID test. And uh, when I got that email, I felt that it, I felt like it was Christmas morning that I was negative. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's I mean that I said that I had never really even thought about getting sick before. That was the one time that we thought about making a plan was if we were abroad and got COVID and couldn't come back to the U.S. But no one's, no one's really thinking about COVID as much anymore. Um, so again, you know, it just goes back to my always have a what if and, you know, know what you're going to do if, if the what if happens.
0: Jason, when we were in uh, Japan this spring, there were a few places like I took a domestic flight in Japan and at a few of the uh, train stations too, where they had those machines where you had to come put your forehead up to it and it would take your temperature. And let you pass? I don't think I ever ran into that. Uh, They had it at the airport I flew domestically at. And I think I also saw it at least one train station. And I was always so nervous coming up to it. Like, I feel fine, but what if I come up to it and it gives me a red light and I can't get on the airplane? Like I was, there was always like that minute of nervousness until it gave me the green light. I was like,
1: oh, thank goodness. It's like pulling up next to a cop car, right? <laughs> to, to Turn your stop music late. down, look forward. Do you make eye
2: contact or not? Do you wave or not?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny suspicious. thing about
2: the, those machines is, uh, or you know, just getting your temperature scanned in general is if, if you've been out in the heat- like we were in Japan, I mean yeah it's it's going to flag you initially,
0: oh, I bet. put some cold ice on your forehead real quick and <laughs> you're right. up
2: there.
1: The scanner says you're dead. <laughs> you're not supposed to be this cold, <laughs> so,
0: if there is somebody listening to this episode right now who is currently sick in their hotel room in Japan, do you have any advice that you would give to them?
2: Yeah, um, don't wait for it to get as bad as I did, um. Don't think that you're going to get better on your own just because you do when you get home because it's it's not worth the risk. And again, the healthcare, it's so affordable there and the people are so helpful. So call the front desk and ask them they can, if they can send something up and take medicine. If you don't get better, go to the hospital. Good
1: advice.
0: Yeah, I'm not a huge worrier, but just after listening to your story and doing the research on this, I feel so much better about if this ever happens to me, me knowing that they have translators that they're super helpful that that they'll take care of you like i i feel much more comfortable with the idea
2: yeah and and granted japan is definitely um you know i think going to be a lot more advanced than um, some places as far as medical care and, and technology but you know I, that's i think that's always a big fear that people have is the language barrier and not that everywhere is going to be as accommodating as Japan was, but it, it was as much as it can be, it, it really was a positive overall experience.
1: It's good to hear. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your story. And uh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that, but we really appreciate you sharing your experience so that we and the rest of our listeners can hopefully be a little better prepared in the future for our trips to Japan.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, you know, it's the least that I can do since y'all basically planned my trip for me.
1: Our pleasure. Thanks again. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah,
2: bye.
1: Uh, Before we wrap up, got to mention, I made a few small changes to the website recently. For one, I added a link to Visit Japan Web on the Travel Tools page. I feel kind of bad that I didn't do that before because that's a super useful website. It's basically where you can do all of your prep stuff for entering japan before you even get on the plane so it makes it really easy and quick to get through immigration and customs
0: you're not too bad because that started very recently like this year i think
1: or late last year i don't think that's been around for too I long i think they built it because of covid yeah like to, so everybody could get their passports mm-hmm. processed and all that yeah or their their uh vaccination cards and whatever yeah but uh yeah i mean it's not super old but it's there now So go check that out. Also, the donate page has turned into the support us page. And in addition to the Patreon link and the donate link, I also added our affiliate links there. We mentioned earlier in the episode bentoandco.com. We have the link for that too, that automatically applies your 10% off. Otherwise, you can also use that code sightseeing10 to get 10% off your order. Um, We should probably also mention Patreon. Thank you so much to our patrons, especially our Shogun-level patrons, Wesley C., Paula, Nicholas McKibben, Kevin Harris, and Brady K. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate the support. And uh, for those of you out there who are not members on Patreon, now is a great time to join. You get early access to every episode of the podcast. You get access to an exclusive behind-the-scenes video and a Q&A episode. There's even more stuff for the higher tiers, so take a look at that. The lowest tier is only $2 a month. You could even sign up right now on your phone. There's a link down in the episode notes. Just scroll down there, click the link. So easy. Thank you for the support.
0: On our next episode, Jason, we're finally doing it. What is it? We're doing an entire episode about rice.
1: Oh, man. That'll be interesting. It's going to be awesome. There's a lot to know. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, every country has their own rice, pretty much, right? But even within the category of Japanese rice, there's a whole world out there.
0: Yeah. I haven't done research for this one yet, but I do remember learning that samurai used to get paid in rice. Yeah. That just goes to show you what a significant factor rice has been in Japanese life for a long long time
1: yeah and I can't wait to dig into the process of growing rice because I've been playing this video game where a lot of the gameplay is just based around growing rice and it's like really detailed and in-depth and I think they tried to be as realistic as possible so yeah that'll be fun awesome cool well thanks for listening we'll see you next time